Welcome to Real Personal Finance. I'm your host, Scott Frank, CFP, CFA charter holder, and founder of Stone Steps Financial. And I'm your host, James Canole, CFP, MBA, and owner of Root Financial Partners. The premise of our show is simple. Money can be confusing, but it doesn't have to be. Our goal is to answer real personal financial questions that we hear from our clients and our listeners. Each episode, we answer one personal financial question in a clear and understandable way. Because money is a tool. And when you understand the language of money, you can make better decisions to improve your financial life. Scott, how's it going? I'm good, man. How are you? I'm doing awesome. What's our topic for the day? Uh, We're going to talk about the least exciting... No, just kidding. (laughs) We're going to talk about the um, thing that I see people lacking the most when they come to see us. The the most. Now, that's, that's a big statement. Yeah, because it's it's. Def- I think it, I I think I can actually say that, and no other advisor is going to disagree with me. I don't disagree. Yeah, so we're we're going to talk about estate planning documents. Estate planning, awesome. So we're talking about people that have ten, twenty million dollars. Is that right? Absolutely not. That's one of the reasons why I think people show up without estate planning documents. They think that you need to have a huge amount of wealth to make it worth your while to get Mm. these things. But it's not about how much money you have. It's about the control that you want to have for what happens to your assets. Mm. And most importantly, what happens to your kids. Now, what do you mean by that? It's not about the money. Because I I hear people talk about estate planning or you hear the estate tax and it typically has to do with people who have over a certain level of millions of dollars in their account. But you're saying it's not about that. Yeah, so let's, let's go like, kind of high view, high level view for a a brief second to think about this. So um, the way that estate planning works or used to work back in the day, right, is if you don't have any plans in place and you leave assets to, to in life, you typically have to go through what's called probate court. And probate court's just a place where people come forward and say, this person passed away and uh, what should we do with the assets? And if you have nothing in place, there are rules in place in every state that say what should happen. Mm. If you want to protect yourself and your family, you can get what's called a will. Some people have heard of a will before. Mm-hmm. Uh, and a will will just say, hey, this, this is my property and this is what I want to do with it. Right? You still have to go through probate. Um, the next level of protection is you can create what's called a revocable trust. Mm-hmm. A revocable trust is a legal document that basically just says, hey, this is all the stuff that I have, and this is how I want to have it dealt with. And um, I don't have to go through probate now because it's a legal matter that's private, not public. Mm. So we used to think that if you, you know, it used to be that you had um, these kind of rules on how much money you had and whether or not you had to pay estate taxes. And that's why we often created trusts in the past. Now, like you just said, if you have $10 million per person or $20 million for a family, there's really no estate taxes anymore, but control what happens to your assets and especially what happens to your kids. And at what age do you want your kids to have access to any assets that you leave them can all be dictated through a living revocable trust, which can be really a really important estate planning document. Absolutely. And it, it, you know, a lot of people will say, you already have an estate plan. Whether you've done it or not, you are born with an estate plan. But the difference is the government is going to control your estate plan if you leave it up to them. 
which is what probate is, which is what, what a lot of that process looks like. Estate planning is a process almost by which you are taking control back instead of saying, okay, government dictate what happens to my assets or my children or whatever when I pass away. Estate planning is a process by which you control and dictate what happens to your assets, your children, your property when you pass away. Now, one thing I think we want to mention is this is specific to California residents, right, Scott? There's some differences between estate planning laws here versus other states out there. Well, there's a every state has their own rules and regulations. So, yeah, we're going to speak about the things we see in California. But, um, yeah, Absolutely. always check with your local people. Local to see people. what's going on <laughs> in your state. But, um, but I think one of the things, maybe we'll just, I think it, what, what, seems to me that happens all the time is when people come in, they don't have estate plans in place and they don't realize how important it is. So why don't we talk about what the um, kind of what the different pieces are, components of an estate plan and why they matter. And I think we should actually back up too. I think to your point earlier, people don't even know that they need these documents many times. And so it might be helpful to talk about when should I get an estate plan? You know, yeah. do, when do I need to begin thinking about some of these documents and some of these uh, things we're referencing here? Because, yep. no, not everyone needs one, but but a lot of people do. And a lot of people are, are lacking these kind of provisions or these documents or these plans in their life. So let's start with that. Is that okay? Yeah, that works. Let's just start with when you become an adult. Perfect. So the moment you become 18, um, you, you, you really want to have um, two different documents pretty much right away. One's called the power of attorney and one's called a healthcare directive. So the, the power of attorney, what, that sounds kind of like a weird name, right? What yeah, why do mean? I need a power of attorney? I'm not. Yeah. Power of attorney just means that if something happens to you and you can't take care of your own financial, um, daily financial needs, like paying bills and things like that, you can give someone else the authority to go do that for you. Mm-hmm. That's all that it means. Mm-hmm. And that's important why, you know, if, I, if, if I'm in an accident, if I get hit by a car, something happens, you're saying that someone else can go and uh, make decisions that I might not be properly capacitated to make at that time. Right. So like you, a simple example, like you have a car payment and you make sure your car payment goes every single month from your uh, bank account and it's not set up on an auto pay. Mm-hmm. but you have to go make the payment. Well, no one else can step in and do that for you if they don't have the authority to do it on your behalf. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. you need to have the document in place to let that happen. Awesome. Awesome. And then what about the healthcare directive? Is that is that a financial document or is that for other types of decisions that people make? So the, the healthcare directive does two things. It um, gives you the, the ability to say ahead of time to your family and friends how you would like to be treated in certain circumstances. So would you want to be, um, you know, uh, in a coma for a long period of time or would you like to be, you know, do not resuscitates can be built into those things. Um, basically how you would want to be treated as far as care is concerned. And the other thing is it you can appoint someone to be in charge of your medical choices if you are not able to make the choices yourself. So like, so those are the first two main documents that you want to get. And you basically want to get them before you head off to college. Okay. So you turn 18. Those are the documents that you're going to need to get. Now there's other documents and let's talk about when, why, when might we need some of these other documents? Let's start with, with the timing of this. So I'm past 18. I already have these documents, the power of attorney, the healthcare directive that's taken care of. There's other documents, so there's other provisions. When might I need to start thinking about getting those? Yeah, so so like if we think about that, James, like when do we see people when they when we think they would, might want to get this, right? Like one that comes to mind for me is um, the moment we know that someone's having a child. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And why does that matter from an estate planning perspective? Because you want to put down in writing who will who will be in charge of this child if we aren't. And that's kind of a cryptic one to think about. But the way you as a couple would think about this is you're going out to dinner, you get in a car wreck and die. Who's in charge of our children? Right. right. It's not a fun one to think about. Right. Right. But then what the estate planning attorney is going to tell you to do is you're going to name that person and then they're going to say, okay, cool. So they went out with you on date night and they died too. Now who's in charge? Mm. And you basically want to have like two or three people lined up in succession to help take care of your child if something happens to you. These uh, these conversations with estate planners don't sound so fun. No, it's totally <laughs> cryptic, but totally necessary, right? Because yes. I mean, imagine if something happens to you and now, and you just left it up to, oh, I don't know, our family will figure it out. And now they're fighting over who gets to take care of your children. Mm-hmm. You don't want your children to go through that. Exactly. It's if your family's fighting about it, or on the other hand, the court is going to appoint someone to take care of your kids that you may not necessarily think is the best person to take care of your kids. Yeah. If you don't have anything in place, for if, sure. Exactly. So yeah. having that document in place is going to tell the court who you believe uh, should be the, the, the custodian of your children if you should pass. Yep. Um, another thing that'll trigger this often is, especially in California, someone buys a house. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes people think like, well, I bought a house for $800,000, but I have a $600,000 mortgage. So it's really only worth $200,000. Well, from an, uh, a probate, uh, you know, look at this, that house is worth 800 grand mm-hmm. all day. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's the moment and the moment you go above I think we checked on this before we jumped on just to ver- make sure we were right. But 150, if you have more than $150,000 of personal um, assets, then you would be triggered the probate process. And the probate right. process takes time. So having a living revocable trust speeds up the process for your family if something happens to you. And now when we talk about assets, let's, let's kind of itemize what that is and what that isn't. So say I have an IRA worth $150,000. Would that trigger probate if I was to pass away? Yeah. So think of it uh, simply as like, if you have a beneficiary page on a doc, on a, an account where you're automatically naming who's going to receive that, it's not going to go through probate. Mm-hmm. It's the simplest way to think of it. So IRAs won't, 401ks won't. If you're leaving, a, 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 pardon me, naming a, a beneficiary on an insurance policy, things like that, you mm-hmm. should be just be, wouldn't be going through probate. So if the account already has some designated beneficiary on it, you don't need to worry about that going through probate. But if you have assets such as a home or like cash or like an investment account that's not, doesn't have a, a named beneficiary, if the total of those accounts uh, exceed 150000 that's where you would go through probate if you don't have some of these documents in place. Right. Now, if you have an estate that's under 150000 the reason that that number is important is you can use what's called a small estate affidavit. And that small estate affidavit tells the court it's a smaller estate. You can kind of claim the assets through that process, and it doesn't take quite as long as probate typically does. But once your assets exceed 150000 that's where you almost certainly need uh, a, some of these documents that we're talking about. Right. And also that you still want to think about a guardianship agreement, mm-hmm. even if you have under $150,000, because it's about who gets to take care of the kids. Mm-hmm. And in all actuality, if you're doing proper planning with for younger families, you're really going to name a, you're going to have a um, life insurance policy, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have a life insurance policy, the first person you're going to name as the beneficiary is going to be your spouse. But in the instance we just created, both of you died. 
So the assets are left to the trust because you're going to create a children's trust inside of it that's going to take care of the kids until they turn certain ages. And then the way that normally works is you say, hey, at 25, um, I'll let the kids have a third of the estate. Mm -hmm. And at 30, I'll let them have the other half. And when they're 35, they can have the rest. And the reason you do that is because I don't know what you were like, James, when you were 20. But if I'd inherited a couple million dollars, it would have been really bad. (laughs) But the way I'm sitting and thinking about money now is very different, right? right? So so you basically, sometimes you want to leave assets like insurance policies to a trust to take care of kids. Mm -hmm. So then it makes even more sense to create these documents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Perfect. And just to kind of keep that organized. So the, the trigger to begin creating these documents is, you know, if you have kids, you, you want some of these documents because you want that guardianship and you want to make sure that the kids are cared for if something happens to you. The moment your assets exceed $150,000, which is almost always triggered, at least when you purchase a home, uh, sometimes even without purchasing a home, if you have investments or assets outside of IRAs or 401ks. And then even for anyone that's above 18, you should have at least some provisions, whether it's a power of attorney or healthcare directive. Those are all triggers to at least... Uh, tell you that it's time to do at least some estate planning, at least to some extent. Is that correct? Yeah. And the other, the only other thing that we haven't really talked about yet is how do you make sure that if you forget something, it's taken care of? Mm. And so with a tradition, like when a family comes in and they need to have a traditional estate plan made, the documents that they're normally going to have at the end of that that I see, and I'm sure estate planning attorneys can tell me if if we're wrong or missing something, but you're going to have a power of attorney for each of you. Mm -hmm. You're going to have a healthcare directive for each of you, a living revocable trust for the family. And then each of you is going to have what's called a pour over will. And a pour over will is just simply going to say, in your will, you're going to say, I leave all of my personal assets to the living revocable trust. And so what happens is if we forget to put something in the trust, it pours it into the trust after you die. What's an example of, a, of an instance in which something might not be in the trust? So you went and you got a trust, you did the responsible thing, but for whatever reason, something's not in it. What what situation do you see most frequently where that happens? The most common occurrence I see is uh, people refinancing their houses. So you go buy a house, you go put it in the trust, everything's doing great, and then there's an opportunity to refinance the house. You can't refinance the house in the name of the trust. It has to be done in your own name. So it is. And then you forget to go put it back into the trust. Mm-hmm. So it's just, that's the most common thing. And you can always check that by looking at the property tax record. So you just go type in the address for San Diego County and it'll bring up the name of, it'll bring up the address and it'll tell you who owns the property and it'll either list the name of a trust or it'll list people individually. And if it's people individually and it's you individually, that's when you know you have a problem. You got to get that back into the trust. Yeah. You want to do a quick claim to put it into the trust. Yep. Exactly. Exactly. So we know we need a trust. We talked about, have we, we talked about a will. Um, What are some provisions with wills, kind of with some things that just happened recently that most people leave out. I think we're talking about digital assets and then the role those play. Yeah. So more and more, more and more you're seeing it in, um, you're seeing it in wills and in, in trust that people are naming digital assets in a provision of these documents. And basically what that just means is if I pass away, my family can go to what, wherever I used to keep um, online accounts and ask them for access to help them shut them down and, and do all of those things, right? So it just helps you have access to those things. So I got a Facebook profile, something happens to me, I pass away. 
and I don't have any of these documents and my heirs want to go take down my page or change my page or something, what what would happen if I don't have digital assets included in my will? Well, I actually, I'm, I think this just makes it easier. I honestly don't, I don't know enough about it to say like you can't take it down, but I know that I'm seeing more and more people add digital assets as a component yeah. to help make this an easier process for families. Because honestly, one of the biggest things to think about here, what you're doing is, is you're helping family members who are going to be going through a grieving process, not make it an arduous and bureaucratic grieving process. Right. One less thing to worry about. You're trying to streamline and simplify for people in case something happens to you. And one thing I've seen too, Scott, is so many more businesses today and so many more people are earning income online. So a Facebook profile or an Instagram profile, it's just, it's not just a profile. I see a lot of people earning money from that. And so if that's not handled in their estate documents, that's where it can get really tricky too, is as this income continues to come in, who really has the right to that income or who is entitled to that income if it's not planned for in some of these documents we're talking about? Yeah, I, I, probably true. Yeah. Awesome. So, so far we know when you need to get these documents. We know that everyone should have a power of attorney and a healthcare directive if they're over the age of 18. We know if you are have assets that exceed $150,000 in California, you should also get a trust and a will. Now the question is, where do I do it? Okay, I, I, I have assets that exceed $150,000. What's next? Where do I go to, to do some of these things? Yeah, and I think to the point of what you're making, like even if you have under $150,000, you can create a will for a fairly inexpensive dollar amount and just say what you would want to have done with your assets if something happens to you, right? Mm-hmm. Once you cross that threshold, you probably want to look at getting a revocable trust. Um, but uh, for where people can go, they can do it. Uh, I, I really see three avenues they can pursue. One is they can find a local estate planning attorney to help craft these documents for mm-hmm. them. Um, another is there are online t- um services that'll help create templated documents for you. So then it's kind of a, in a sense, a do it yourself at a lower price point. But the, I always let people know to be careful because you're using a document that you may not fully understand. Mm -hmm, (laughs) It's probably still better than doing nothing, but you know, be careful. Um, what sometimes it's worth paying to have an estate planning attorney help you draft this in the way that you mean to draft it Yes, because it's getting pretty complex pretty quickly. Um, and I think the final place is, um, a lot of people can get access to local estate planning attorneys through an employee benefit. Uh, so check your employee benefits, and sometimes you can turn on a legal benefit, and it'll cost, you know, typically, bet- I see between like 200 and $300 a year. And then with that, you can go get estate planning documents made. And how much do you see estate planning documents costing a couple typically? You're talking about if they go to a local estate planner? Yeah. Uh, it's in the range of two to $3,000 typically, I would say. Some are a little less expensive, some are a little more, but I would yep. say that's about average. Assuming you don't need any major estate planning uh, provisions, you know, just your basic I would agree basic with documents. That. Yep. And the way I would think of that is when people go like, oh, two or three grand for this, why would I want to go do that? It all comes back to control. And if mm-hmm. you don't have kids, that may not be a big deal to you. But if you have kids, you'll happily pay two or three grand to make sure that they're well taken care of. Absolutely. Uh, but if you can pay 200 or $300 for a $2,000 or $3,000, you know, uh, document through your employee benefit, that's an amazing deal. Absolutely. Absolutely. I agree. Uh, so, I, and I think very few people think of that, Scott. You, people think of their benefits at work. They think, oh, 401k, health insurance, whatever. A lot of times this is a benefit people aren't aware of or they're not really sure how to use it. So if you're listening to this and you don't have these documents and you are employed through a corporation that offers these benefits, check with them. 
see if this is something available to you because it could could save you a lot of money. For sure. And you may have to wait until your next round of employee benefits to flip it on. But at least you'll know it's there and you can do that. Exactly. Exactly. Awesome. Well, I think we pretty pretty well covered it. Now we're going to do a major disclaimer here and say neither of us are attorneys. So this was just more to give an overview of when do you need to begin thinking about some of this stuff? What are some of the provisions or the documents that you need to include in your state plan? And then how can you go about doing it? But of course, for any specifics, do make sure that you talk with an attorney. Do make sure that you talk with someone that knows and can get to know your personal situation because that is very important. Absolutely. Anything else, Scott? No, my, but my hope is that by the time all of you come to see us, you actually have a state planning document. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very important. Very, very important. Awesome. Well, thanks a lot, Scott. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Yeah. Thank you for listening to episode number seven of the Real Personal Finance Podcast. We hope you're enjoying the show. And for a list of the resources and notes from the episode today, please head over to the Real Personal Finance website at realpersonalfinance.co. That's realpersonalfinance.co and search for episode number seven. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a five-star review. We would really appreciate that. And if you've got a question that you would like for us to answer, then head over to the Real Personal Finance website and there will be a section on the bottom of each page where you can submit your very own question for Scott and I to answer on an upcoming episode. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you all next time. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only and should not be relied upon for a basis for investment decision. This podcast is not engaged in rendering legal, financial, or other professional services.